When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Back to another episode of Leafs Talk Forever. Your guys just treat two in one week. Um, I'm here with Scott. Kyle can't be here. Um, yeah, it's the post-trade deadline, so it's a little bit of a relaxing week and more of a just watch everyone get acclimated with their new teams, and that's basically what this podcast is going to be. Obviously, there's going to be some news and notes that uh, Scott will get to in a few seconds. Um, but basically, this is just going to be a quick one-two pod talking about uh, the reaction that we had now that some players have played, what, three, four games now? Two, three games? Something like uh, that. Yeah, or longer, I think, in the case of um, Achari. Of Achari, yeah. Uh, yeah, so basically, we'll get started. Remember that this podcast is in partnership with the Hockey Podcast Network, sponsored by both Raycon and DraftKings. Uh, so use the promo code THPN in the ad read. I think this week's ad read is just DraftKings. Um, however, use the promo code, put it into the app, win some money, um, and uh, buy yourself a new Ryan O'Reilly jersey. Speaking about Ryan O'Reilly, Scott's got some news on him, so without further ado, Scotty boy. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> so I'm. you probably heard by now, if you're a Leafs fan, pay attention to Leafs or even just a hockey fan in general. Um, two games ago, both Ryan O'Reilly and John Tavares appeared to have injured or, or been, uh, like in the case of John Tavares, they said it was the flu, but in Ryan O'Reilly's case, he, he broke his finger. Uh, the Leafs put him on LTIR. I think I heard expected to be on four weeks. Yeah. Or just over, or around four weeks, maybe no longer. So he'll April be back for the playoffs. Yeah, so yeah, he'll probably be back maybe the last week of the season. I don't know what the schedule looks like, but uh, he'll for sure be back for the playoffs anyway. And then John Tavares, they said he had um, nausea, like flu-like symptoms. But if you watch the game, the last game he played, he took two solid hits. Uh, could be a little bit more than what they're letting on, but 
based on what the organization has said, it is uh, the flu. No timetable for when he's supposed to come back. I'm assuming if it's the flu, he'll be back probably next game or the one after. Um, yeah, uh, so Ryan O'Reilly, I think he's eligible to come off April 4th, and the season goes to, I think, the 16th. So I think he'll have like three or four games. To get reacclimated, I mean, obviously he he's familiar, but it would have been nice to have him kind of fine because like Sheldon Keith was experimenting a little bit, right? Yeah. So yeah, but you wanted to touch on something about the Ryan O'Reilly incident that I I find very intriguing, so or interesting, I guess. Well, before before we jump into that, before we jump into that, I I just want to mention how um, clear proves that the Leafs are in fact cursed. This is the second high-profile trade deadline acquisition that we've made in the last three, four years that has got that has gotten hurt. Um, and then, in the case of Nick Foligno, didn't really do much in the playoffs. Uh, we added both Achari and O'Reilly at the same time, and O'Reilly is probably the biggest uh, deadline name anyway that we've added since I don't even know when. Like it's been a while since we've added oh, a player no, I think. At, a, at a deadline as a deadline move, and then for him to come in and play what four games and then get hurt and then miss majority of the rest of the season, it just in my eyes anyway kind of proves that there there's a massive curse on the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Ballard's curse. Yeah. All right. And uh, I think. Yeah. I think they were talking about it on Sportsnet. If you don't live in Canada, that's a sports channel like ESPN in the States. Um, where they said they, they equated, they related to like Bo- the Boston Red Sox, where everybody was saying that they were cursed because it was like 100 years before they won a championship. And then you could you could kind of just tell it was the year they were going to win a championship because they, they finally got past the first round and everything was just going their way on the ways to win a World Series. So they were talking on, I think it was Sportsnet, of how you could, if if um, the situation arises, then you, you might be able to tell the Leafs are going to win a Stanley Cup because they'll finally be able to make it out of the first round, and then eventually, hopefully, move on to win the cup. But I thought that was kind of funny. Usually, they don't talk about stuff like that. It does make sense though. Like if Toronto gets on the first round, they'll probably have the like the most confidence they like those players have ever had. You know. Like those players will probably be more confident than Awesome Matthews when he scored sixty. Yeah. So, um, also a little interesting. Um, this, like, we talked about it a little bit last week um, when we gave kind of like, uh, you know, the the Tampa Toronto series, and if Boston being eliminated first round is the best chance. But one thing that I found a little interesting is is. Tampa's really been struggling, man. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's funny because when they struggle, everyone says they're tired. And then when they pull it back together for the playoffs, people just say that's the experience that they have. They fight through the tiredness, whatever. But I think, I mean, there's no doubt that they are probably physically tired. Like, that's this is four seasons in a row, or could be four seasons in a row, where they have long playoff runs and, and you know, like, Although they're professional mm-hmm. athletes, it's still probably tough on their bodies. However, I think that narrative needs to stop a little bit because, like, 
It's not going to validate the Leafs to beat Tampa if people are just going to say, well, Tampa was tired. Oh, they'll make excuses. It doesn't matter. Even if Toronto, like, Toronto beats Boston, if Toronto wins the Santa Cup, every other fan base around the league is going to make excuses of how, like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, Tampa was, is older, they're, they're, their experience finally caught up to them and they're worn down or uh, they locked, they fluked into a win over Boston and Carolina played like crap and et cetera, et cetera. I, I, if Toronto I, does it, make the Stanley Cup or win the Stanley Cup, you can see me live on location during that parade basically streaking because I'll be so happy. <laughs> I, I th- it'll be similar, although I'm in my, my eyes, it'll be a, a little bit worse, but it'll be similar to when Tampa won during the uh, COVID shortened season where everybody said it was a Mickey Mouse championship, similar to, like, basketball and that, because the divisions were realigned, uh, like, whatever. Whatever the excuses they were throwing around, I can't even remember them all now. But, like, other fan bases around the league were, like, ripping on them for winning during that time and saying yeah. it, it shouldn't really count because of COVID and all that. Like, that'll well, be, it the, be if the Leafs ever win the Stanley Cup, that's what's going to happen. It would be similar to kind of, like, when the Raptors won. Like, oh, I'm gonna spill my tea. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> um, it would be it would be similar. <laughs> it would be similar to when uh, the funny. Raptors. <laughs> yeah, because because I almost swore so so loud. <laughs> oh, you sounded like um, a kid from uh, Cheaper by the Dozen when they knocked a latte out of his hand. He's like, my latte. <laughs> Oh yeah, cheaper by the dozen two, and he had the frozen tips. Yeah. No, it was cheaper by the dozen one. Cheaper by the dozen two is the Eugene Levy family. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah the part right. where this the, the Sun Forty One song is. Yeah, yeah, they're all the feeling like outcast in the new school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, anyways, it kind of remind me of <laughs> of uh, the championship that the Raptors won. Although I was a critic of that, and so were you, for valid reason because they lost Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. Pardon me? No, I, was just, I just said Raptors suck. Oh, yeah, well, they do. But, like, the, the criticisms that we had were that Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson were out, and would they beat Golden State again? Yeah, I mean, that's true. But, like, unless that actually happens, like, so say Toronto's playing Colorado, and Colorado's missing both McKinnon and Landeskog, and Toronto beats them. But if Toronto's playing a fully healthy Colorado and they, and they beat them, people are still going to make excuses. Like yeah, those are actual valid, like maybe not in the eyes of Raptors fans, but like if you're not a diehard Raptors fan, saying Golden State was missing two key pieces, even if it wasn't for the full series, are like those are valid. Because I feel like if those players played the whole series, then Toronto might not have won. But if Toronto, if Maple Leafs beat Colorado or Minnesota or Edmonton or Vegas, whoever they, if they make it there and whoever they're playing with a full lineup, like they'll still just automatically knock it up or chalk it up as a fluke and, and Toronto won based on these non-existent reasons. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, also, just pointing this out there, I don't know why in the heck I picked Dallas to make it out of the East when Dallas literally uh, did nothing besides add yeah, Max. Me Dallas. neither, especially since Dallas is in the West. Oh, damn it, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my apologies. I was thinking about um, golf. Huh? Oh, um, anyways, we'll just move on. <laughs> so, the conspiracy that you heard on TikTok today. Oh, yeah. 
Um, actually, I, I just saw the video before we started the podcast, so I, I don't know when you saw it, but you said you saw it too. It was, and to me, like I, it might have been tongue in cheek, joking around, but based on the comments, people were taking them pretty seriously. Is that uh, Matthews enjoyed not winning in the playoffs, uh, and then he grew accustomed to it playing in Toronto. And he in, grew accustomed to it because he saw that it was eventually going to end when he leaves. So then Dubas makes all the moves at the deadline. Matthews, or the fan base gets excited, and Matthews doesn't like that. So he purposely shoots the puck at Ryan O'Reilly to break his finger so that they'll be missing a key piece going into the playoffs so that the Leafs will not make it on the first round. So that Austin Matthews can, in fact, leave as a excuse of being upset that they're not winning. Yeah, um, a couple things I, when I saw that video just before I did the podcast too. Uh, two two things that I think is funny about that is is he he shot a one timer slap shot, um, which most times you have less control over a slap shot than you do a wrist shot, so that's just stupid. And the second thing about it is, um, wait, what was what was what was the last thing you said? That. He wanted to hurt Ryan O'Reilly so that the Leafs wouldn't make the playoffs so he could leave based on this false narrative of him being unhappy that they're not winning. Okay, well, you're going to have to take this over because my point just fell right off the tracks. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I mean, in my opinion, obviously, they could have been 100% serious. I don't know if they were Leafs fans or what. I don't, I don't know even what their names were, what the podcast was called, what the TikTok account was called. I just watched the video and moved on because I thought it was ridiculous. But to me, I, I you, you could kind of see maybe a tongue-in-cheek joking around, throw it on as a conspiracy theory because they knew it was so outlandish that no one would believe it. Um, but based on the comments that I, I did see after I went back because I thought it was ridiculous and had to go back and watch it again after I moved on, um, People were taking them at 100%. They were being fully serious. And they just don't want Matthews to play for the Leafs. So if that is the case, then those guys are morons. That is the dumbest dumbest opinion I've ever heard in my life. If Austin Matthews is, or the narrative you're pushing is that Austin Matthews is upset that they're not winning, why would he purposely injure a player who could then help them win? If, he's, if he wants to leave because the Leafs can't make it on the first round, why then would he injure the player who could potentially help them out of that first round? That, that, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, me either. There was a legitimate validation, or I guess um, not a validation for them, but I, to prove that it was fake or that they're just saying whatever, but I, that I had in my mind, but now I forget it. Um. It had something to do with, I think, the first part of the of the of the story that you're telling, but now I forget. So, yeah, it's just another or a continued of the revamp of Austin Matthews just leaving the Leafs to go to a bigger market, to go to an American city because he's American, he's playing Canada. Only pushed by non-Canadian, non-Leafs fans because if you were actually a Leafs fan, you'd know that Austin Matthews loves Toronto. He loves playing in bigger markets, and even if. If you're a hockey fan in the States, you should know that Toronto's arguably like top three big you could probably say Rangers, Montreal, Toronto, maybe LA interchangeably. Like those are the probably the four biggest hockey markets in North America. So to say he wants to go to a bigger market 
and not play for a Canadian team is, is just dumb because he's already proven that he likes Toronto. He's already proven that he enjoys playing in Canada. He enjoys the city. A lot of his sponsorships within the city are extended past his contract. So it's just another in, in the revamped continuation of Austin Matthews is leaving to go to L.A. Or, or the Rangers. Arizona hasn't really been brought up that much, mostly because even though he's from there, why would he want to go play in a college stadium in front of 1,000 people as opposed to an actual NHL stadium in front of fifteen to 20,000 people? Yeah, you know what the biggest piss-off about the Austin Matthews is from Arizona thing is? He's not actually from Arizona. Yeah, so William Elander is technically from Calgary. But he doesn't go by saying he's from Calgary. He says he's Swedish. But like everyone says he's Swedish, blah blah. But like realistically, he's from Calgary. Like yeah. technically, Osmathius isn't from Arizona. He just goes and says that he was born or raised in Arizona. He's technically from California. Yeah, like L.A. Which so, I think is now why the L.A. is being besides being a big market. Is being pushed. Yeah, because people decide to use a Wikipedia page and just look up where he's born. Yeah. I, I said this to you the other day is I feel like a lot of, especially, and this may be completely wrong, but it, it seems valid in my eyes, especially the American side of it, is that, or even like other Canadian rivals, like Montreal fans saying, Austin Matthews is going to leave, Ottawa fans, Edmonton fans, uh, is that if you go back in history, Toronto's never had a, and this isn't disrespectful to like the Sundines, the Wendell Clarks, Doug Gilmore's, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But Toronto's actually never had a player on their roster ever that has been in the conversation as the best player in the league. Like Matt Sundin was a superstar in the league, but he was never considered as good as Wayne Gretzky, Marilyn Mew, or by extension there later in his end of his career, Sidney Crosby, Alexander Ovechkin. Same with Doug Gilmore, same with Wendell Clark, same with Boris Salming, same with George Armstrong, Grant, or not Grant Fuhrer, um, what's the goalie? Um, Johnny Bauer. Like, none of them have ever actually been in the conversation. And although a lot of people disagree, like, obviously, I think McDavid is number one, but Matthews being number two, the, Le- the Leafs have never had that. Like, and I think that that irks other fan bases around the league that the team that is quote-unquote, push down your throats all the time, finally has a player who's in the conversation as the best in the league, and it, it drives them nuts. That's that's why they push these narratives that he's going to leave. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'm really forcing my mind to try and think about the point ad because it just disproves this whole thing, but now I've forget so that's a piss off it was a good point too but then said i said instead i went with a slap shot thing first brutal how could i do that anyways it was something about austin matthews and the player and the and the rights of the player something like that versus the rights of the team and how that's pretty much impossible to happen but um but yeah so anyways uh, if I do think about it or think of it, I'll tell you because it was, I think, a good point. And if I don't, then a good point wasted. Another good point by Spenny Laz wasted. Disappointing. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, well, as you know, I had a conversation like uh, probably last week with a guy who was a Washington Capitals fan, knows people in Edmonton, who thinks he's like the most knowledgeable hockey fan ever. Meanwhile, he's got no knowledge, acknowledgement, or uh, or sorry, knowledge of how contract structures work, how contracts, the CBA, any kind of money in the NHL. Um, so it kind of just makes his point uh, invalid. But he was basically betting me a pop can size. If if Austin Matthews resigns in Toronto, he has to get a pop can size Toronto Maple Leaf tattoo. Or um, I suggested a Justin Bieber jersey because he always says he's going to go to L.A. with to live with the Biebs because that's what everyone says. And if I lost and he did re, uh, walk out in Toronto, then I'd have to get a Boston Bruins tat- tattoo of the size of a pop can, which made no sense whatsoever why I'd have to get Boston because he's not signing in Boston. But, yeah, so whole premise of that like conversation that I had with him was he's saying basically Awesome Matthews wants to play in a big city. Or sorry, I said Austin Matthews wants to play in a big city. He was saying Austin Matthews doesn't like, like he would rather play in a small market. And I was like, you don't know anything about anything. And secondly, no one said this type of shit when Alex Ovechkin was a pending free agent. Yeah, because he played in America. Yeah. But it's like, okay, so even if Austin Matthews, like the expectation for Austin Matthews is not to sign an eight-year deal. The expectation is probably a four or five-year deal. Because he does want to play in Arizona at some point, or he does want to play, I guess, closer to his family at one point. However, I think the number one thing that intrigues Austin Matthews in general is not Justin Bieber, it's not fucking Toronto, it's not Canada, it's the fact that, well, I guess it is Toronto, but not the city, but the fact that he could be the best Maple Leaf of all time. And as soon as he puts pen to paper on that next contract, he pretty much solidifies, barring a career-ending injury, the being the becoming the best Leaf of all time. So, like, he's already done things in, what, seven years, six years that no Maple Leaf has ever done. 60 goals, uh, what is it, 54 goals, technically, then 60 goals, and then winning, um, what awards did he win last year? The the Rocket and, uh, what was the other one that you won? The Jennings? Not Heart Jennings. Uh, pardon me? The Hart Trophy? The Hart Trophy. Did he, did he win MVP? I thought McDavid did. No. Matthews won MVP last year. And what other one did he win? He won three trophies then. Uh, he won the one voted Pearson. on by the fans, by the players. Yeah, isn't Lester, isn't that Lester B. Pearson? Maybe, yeah. So, or, like, that's never been done. He won a Calder, which has never been done. He's won – well, he's not going to win it this year, unfortunately, but he's won, what, two Rockets in a row? And if, if it wasn't for Kyle Dubas coming on and saying that he's actually playing through injuries this whole year, he probably would have been a Rocket Richard winner again. Uh, and the other thing that really makes me Ted Lindsay, the other thing that really makes me angry about the uh, about fans in the NHL, uh, specifically to Toronto Maple Leaf fans, is that they say that Austin Matthews isn't the best player on the team anymore because he's not producing his points. He's still a point per game player. He still has thirty goals. Like he's probably potentially going to end the season with forty. He'll probably end the season with more than a point per game. Maybe like 1.1 or 1.05. It's still a more than a one point per game, which is exactly what you're asking for him. 
the luxury that we had last year was that he got 60 and he got over 100 points or whatever. It's like, it just pisses me off so much that people can't just like, this is why Toronto Maple Leafs can't have nice things because you either run them under town or other people in the NHL or surrounding fan bases think that Toronto is just shoved down your throat. You know why Toronto shoved down your throat? Because it's the mecca of hockey. Get used to it. Stop cheering for Columbus and cheer for a team that's actually, uh, I don't know, uh, notoriously good because Columbus sucks ass. Stop cheering for Arizona that's held in by the NHL. Stop cheering for Calgary, which is like the secondary team in Alberta that no one actually cares about. Cheer for an actual team. So pretty much shut your lips, bitches. Yeah. That's my rant. Yeah, I saw, I saw a tweet about that today, actually. Is that uh, Austin Matthews is going to have a 40-year or 40-goal season as a down year when that's that's like a career high or an up year for most players in the league. Yeah, Exhibit A. Miko um, Rantanen right now with uh, Colorado. I think he's got 34 or 36 goals. He's going to end the season with more than 40, which is a career high, and everyone's ranting and raving. Austin Matthews is going to score 40, potentially, if he could heat up 45, almost get to 50. And people are saying that he's a bust, that it it was a one-year thing. And the funny part is, is that, I mean, obviously I don't know every Leafs fan. That's impossible because they're arguably the biggest fan base in the league. Um, But, there was a lot of Leafs fans on Twitter or whatever, unless you were like the fake diehard, always talk up the Leafs no matter what's happening, Twitter accounts that you see all the time. Um, most Leafs fans, however, were saying that they didn't expect Austin Matthews to get 60 goals this year. That they knew, although maybe not a fluke, but last year was a career year that he might reach again, but probably not this year. So everybody was expecting him to have a, less goals this year than he had last year. So even if he gets 45, like that was expected by most Leafs fans. It's the other people around the league who are have to hate on the Leafs for no reason because, you know, the Leafs are shoved down your throat um, that are saying like Austin Matthews is, is a, like he's a, playing like crap or, or he's a bust because he's not, he's not scoring 60, 60 goals again when it was pretty much estimated by even like the, the people on TV or expert statisticians on whatever, like no one, no one expects him to get sixty goals again this year. Yeah, nope. And if he did, then cool. But I mean, realistically, that's kind of far fetched. No. Well, yeah, but I mean, I doubt he's going to get thirty goals in the next twenty games. But he could. Well, yeah, that's true. It. But and then there was the similar narrative, like he got off to a slow start last year to this year. And everybody said the same things. Oh, Austin Matthews isn't as good as a goal scorer as everybody's hyping him up to be. And then the only difference is from January to the end of the season last year, he was scoring more than from January to the end of the year this year. But he also has been dealing with more injuries this year than last year. Yeah, I mean, and also he had more multi-goal games last year. It wasn't that yeah, he like, scored in every every game that he played in. It's the fact that he had like five hat-tricks in one season. No, and yeah, I yeah. Think like but, 11 multi-goal games. But once January rolled around this year, everybody was like, yeah, he's not going to get 50. He's not going to get 60. Meanwhile, like the first week of January last year, he had the same almost like a one or two goal difference than he had to the goals level this year. 
So it, it was yeah. but like that's when all the Matthews isn't as good a goal scorer as everybody says last year was a fluke narrative popped up because he had what eighteen goals going into January or twenty goals going into January, whatever. Uh but like yeah. that was the same thing that happened last year. And then the second half of the season he scored like thirty five goals. So it's 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 like I don't know. It's just annoying when that happens. Uh with that, just quickly I'll just touch on the Andy Strickling uh Strickland uh uh, thing that he said about Matthews, if you haven't heard, just while we're on Matthews, and then uh, when we move on, mm-hmm. we don't have to come back to it. Um, if you haven't heard, he was talking about uh, basically why no one's talking about how Toronto's going to have to trade Austin Matthews, and uh, basically, um, I guess his viewpoint was if Toronto doesn't sign him July 1st when this extension is due, or when his extension can, or his contract can be extended, his extension isn't necessarily technically due until July 1st, 2024, when he becomes a free agent. Um, but July 1st, 2023, he's eligible for a contract extension. That's the difference because a lot of people are struggling with that. And a lot of people are dumb. If you don't understand, like just simply read and have any kind of compre- comprehension of the NHL's comp- uh, CBA or contract structure. And you'll understand it's simple. Same as when Nylander, his contract's not up this year. He's eligible for an extension as of this July 1st. So, Anyways, with that, um, he was saying that if they don't sign him, it's going to be like a Matthew Kachuk situation where he's going to control his destiny and they're going to have to trade him. And and then they he said, well, what could you trade him for? And Cam Jansen said, like, basically, whatever you want, essentially. Like, if they traded Austin Matthews to L.A., I would I would suspect that there would be a huge haul coming back. Like, if, if they trade him to Arizona. Arizona, and then a lot of people are like, oh, well, Arizona's packaging the picks. That's why they're collecting all the picks this year's draft. Like, are you dumb or are you stupid? Because you can't be smart. Like, you guys are idiots for saying that. But, yeah, his his view is basically Tron has no choice but to sign him this July 1st, and if it waits any time and at least any time into the, into the next season, they're going to have to trade him either by the deadline or hold on to him and let him walk for free, which is also not true because you can trade a pending free agent at the draft. Like, this isn't NHL 23 or 22 or 21 when after the season ends and there's a pending restriction or restricted free agent, unrestricted free agent on your team, and instantly the trade value just goes down to zero. If I'm uh, Doug Armstrong or Bill Armstrong or Rob Blake and Kyle Dubas calls me and says, hey, I know it's past the, tra- or it's past the trade deadline, uh, or sorry, uh, it's past the season and we're coming up on the draft, uh, do you, what would you take for Austin Matthews? And then the Rob Blake's like, I don't know, a seventh round pick. I I got a trade or I got to offer him a contract. But no, that's never going to happen. So that didn't happen with Matthew Kachuk. So let's move on from that. But yeah, pretty much uh, Andy Strickland's view was just that Austin Matthews needs to, Toronto needs to sign him. And that's pretty much the only option that they have, or else he's walking, which is common sense. Like that is the most obvious statement I've ever heard. But the way he said it seemed like he was like this knowledgeable phenomena in the NHL world. And I like this uh, uh, Cam and Strick podcast a lot. I listen to it every Tuesday. But it gets annoying when um, you get all these people that have their hands on the pot and they stir the, up the, the media conversation so then plugs like people on Facebook and uh, people on Twitter I agree to it. Similar to the situation that I had last uh, week I guess it was last Saturday. I wanted to touch on last week's pod but it was a little, uh, a little uh, confusing, but uh, Scott knows this. But I was talking about 
how Lilligren was out, and I said, like, it pisses me off that Sheldon keeps playing Justin Hall over Lilligren. People said Lilligren's injury is not a healthy scratch, blah, blah, blah. Then this one guy who I guess thinks he's like an NHL or OHL scout, he's a Twitter follower and whatever, and I guess a Leafs fan. And he was going on about how basically Justin Hall is not that bad. And then I was like, no, he's pretty bad. Like, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure 90% of the Toronto Maple Leaf, like Leaf Nation agrees with that. And then he had mentioned that it's he's a similar situation to Todd Gill and Larry Murphy. And if you don't know, Toronto Maple Leaf fans ran those people on town, those players on town. Um, not because they were uh, all-stars. Um, and not because they were, like, the worst defense ever. But um, in Justin All's case, it's it's simply the fact that it, it's like he is brutal. Like Larry Murphy, isn't Larry Murphy in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. In Justin Hall's so, case, it's it's that what people are seeing is is proving the advanced analytics that people are trying to shove down your throat to prove he's a good defenseman wrong. Like he was on the ice for all three goals the last game, and yeah, like. Plus minus maybe a, a a fluky stat because you could just step on the ice. You could not be near the guy who scores the goal. But in the case of a defenseman who, in at least two of those goals, was on a position or not knowing what to do on the play, like you could clearly see that most of the time he's just guessing out there. And the advanced analytics may prove that he's an above average defenseman. But then all you have to do is watch him play to know that sometimes advanced analytics can be wrong. Because there's a lot of times throughout the game, and this isn't just him, but in this case we're talking about him, so I'll, like that's why I'm bringing it up. But there's a lot of times when you watch the games that he's on a position, looks like he's lost or confused on what he's supposed to do. And then to have a player like Lilligren who has made leaps and bounds in his play sit out because the advanced analytics tell Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas that Justin Hall deserves to be in the lineup more. And then almost cost them a game. If it wasn't for that late surge there, like the Leafs would have lost. And yeah, he made a great pass to David Kampf. But like the one positive in the game doesn't outweigh the 17 negatives. And that seems to be what people are taking uh, issue with. Uh, all the Justin Hall supporters that are coming out of the woodwork is, look at that great pass he made. He made a play, nice play here. He made a nice play there. Okay, everybody makes at least one play you could look at as a positive every game. But if you're disregarding the 15 bad plays he made just to point out that one good play, then that doesn't prove anything. Yeah, and and another thing that I I find a little bit interesting is on that, on the topic of the New Jersey game, uh, there is that one goal by Eric Hall, I think was the second one when he deflected it on on the nice, it was like a nice tip. Uh, Timo Meyer, I think, threw it on net from the side. Justin Hall ran away on a position. Uh, Giordano was covering the one side of the net where Justin Hall wasn't, and then where Justin Hall should have been was where Eric Hall was at. And he skated up to the half wall and tried to crunch Timo Meyer. It didn't work out as well as I think people thought it did. But, like, other people, other media members, other this, other that, were saying, like, Although he was on a position, he still threw a big body check. He's playing physical to try and stay in lineup. Like, he, he wasn't, that wasn't a Luke Shen body check. That was basically like rubbed him out against the boards. That was it. It still didn't work because he hit him, and Timo Meyer still threw the puck on net, and they scored. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that though. Like if if he wants to throw hits, throw hits. But if if in the process of you throwing a hit, 
you take yourself as a defenseman out of the play, and then the other team scores because of it. How is that a bonus? Uh, I'm not sure, but if that was Luke Shen, uh, uh, even Jake Gardner that did that, that former Leaf Jake Gardner, he would have been ripped apart. Like, yeah, like I don't. That's what I mean. Like, they're they're trying to turn the negatives into positives when the, the negative should outweigh the positive. Yeah, it's great that he's throwing hits and Toronto needs that. But in the process of throwing that hit, unneeded, because the puck was already way past him by the time he even made contact with the guy, he took himself out of position, which led to the goal. Like, I don't know how people can look at that as a positive. Yeah, I I don't know. But uh, it seems to be the common trend in Leafs Nation. So. But there was also the other play there in the New Jersey game where uh, I don't know if they scored on it or not, but there was the play where he was like standing on the, if you're looking from the goalie's perspective, he was on the right side of the net and he skated like directly right up into the middle faceoff dots to try to cover the guy who had the puck that was already being covered by three other Leafs players. So he just completely took himself on a position to go cover a guy who was already covered because he didn't know what to do. Yeah, and there's also that one play with, uh, I think it was their first goal in the game, New Jersey's, uh, when there was like a rebound or whatever. And he could have cleared it as the defenseman, and Mitch Marner kind of got there as well. And then Mitch Marner, I think it was like Justin Hall that passed it, and, hit a, and then Mitch Marner tried to get it down. And then I went to whomever, Eric Hollis stick, and he scored. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, but then people blame it on Mitch Marner because Mitch Marner should have cleared the puck out. But you know who also should have cleared the puck away from the goaltender? The defenseman, because that's his job. Actually, technically, if you want to get down to it, Mitch Marner is the four, is the is the is the winger. The wingers on the team, on the line, in any in any situation, have less responsibilities. That's why wing is the easiest position to play. That's why Nylander gets too much hate for not backchecking when, although he should backcheck more. However, he is the winger. It's the defenseman's responsibility to get back first. So if Mitch Marner's on the ice and he's with JT or or Sam Lafferty or uh, Austin Matthews or Ryan O'Reilly, whomever he's with, the def- the center should also have the responsibility to get back. But Mitch Marner is the defensive-minded player who he likes to get back. So stop putting the onus on the players that you shouldn't put them on and start putting it on the players that you should, like the defenseman who should have cleared the puck. Uh, like that we transitioned from uh, f- uh, fan favorite or podcast, one of podcasts, one of the podcast favorites players, uh, Austin Matthews, to now uh, one of their least favorite, Justin All. But now let's transition into an ad break. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about Lilligrand. Matt Murray returned on Saturday. He's playing this Saturday against Edmonton. We'll get into a little post-trade uh, deadline reaction in our ideal playoff lineups. And then that's a, brrr, a wrap. I don't know why I did that. Um, that was a drum roll. We're moving on. Pardon me? I said that was a drum roll, not a rap. Yeah, but that's what it was supposed to be, like a drum roll. And then I was supposed to say rap, but it didn't work out. That's too yeah, focused on the drum roll. Anyways, so we will be back. Write down this promo code, uh, THPN, DraftKings, get the app, put in the promo code, win some money. The playoffs are starting soon. Let's go. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoop action to the palm of your hands with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports brand partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 and win $200 on free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. 
Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place the same game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. One of the games I'm going to be betting on tomorrow is the Toronto Raptors to beat the Houston Rockets and the Phoenix Suns to beat the Boston Celtics. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sporting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See notes for details. We are back. Promo code THPN. Remember, uh, it is now coming on to the best time of the year for betting on sports. Uh, this month alone, you got March Madness. Uh, I'm not a big March Madness fan, but if you are, then bet on it. Uh, March Madness would be a setup where you can bet on the games, or you can. I think you can also bet on the winner. Same as the NHL to be in the season, but now we're coming into um, you can bet on who wins the awards. Uh, who um, I think you can bet on the wild card race in the NHL, uh, but you can also going to be betting on the playoff series. Uh, who wins the Stanley Cup? Who wins Conn Smythe? Uh, and then you're into basketball playoffs. And then, not most importantly, but also a good thing to bet on is baseball, which is starting up. we got spring training soon, or now, and then we got the regular season. I think it's a, it might be pushed back. I'm not 100% sure because we got the World Baseball Classic, which you can also bet on. So use that THPN promo code and um, win yourself some money because there's a lot of options. And there seems to be NHL games, a few of them every night. So uh, without Kyle here, uh, we're gonna skip the the uh, a little off topic here, but I saw it on the internet the other day. Can't remember what site I was on, it was Twitter or Facebook or whatever. But um, and like we don't really watch wrestling anymore. We used to a lot when we were kids. But um, WWE's working on a deal that would allow gambling on their matches, which I thought was incredibly funny because it's all scripted. And a lot of the time, the winners and losers of the matches are leaked beforehand. Uh, or in the case of some storylines, you can tell who's going to win. So I don't really understand the whole point of betting on it. If, if like, like betting in other sports where Toronto playing Vancouver, yeah, Toronto's like most of the time it's going to win, but Vancouver can still come out on top, as was the case when they played them last. But in wrestling, if it's Stone Cold versus Edge, and everybody knows Stone Cold's going to win. The script gets leaked, and Stone Cold wins. Like, does any like what's the? You're going to lose money betting on Edge. You're not going to win anybody betting on Stone Cold. So I don't get how that's all going to work. Yeah. Well, people do bet on the NFL, and it's just a scripted. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron Hernandez. That was a horrible script for him. Yikes, buddy. OJ OJ Simpson. Brutal. Or the people Those who guys... have to uh, people have to fake the injuries when the script tells them to. Brutal. I was talking about Patrick Mahomes, buddy. You're just going for murderers. Well, I mean, it was all part of the script. Uh, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, that is kind of dumb. Oh, also, I mean, not that it's uh, the John Jones fight just happened, but um, Tough Enough or whatever it's called, Tough Enough Ultimate Fighter, whatever they're doing. Um, at the end, I think it's uh, Conor McGregor and I don't know actually who the other coach is, but that will be a good fight to bet on because it will be Conor McGregor's return. Uh, he'll probably obviously be the favorite, but yeah, there's a lot of good sports happening this summer. And I think you can also 
also bet on award shows on T, uh, DraftKings. And I also think you can bet on something to do with like concerts or something like that. So uh, pretty much use the promo code, win some money. Okay. And, uh, may may take a little money. heat from this. May take a little heat from this because they're our sponsor. But if you're betting on what songs you're going to be played as a concert, maybe you should stop gambling. <laughs> Yeah, I I definitely I do. Think agree you've gone a little bit too far in your in your uh, habit or addiction if you're if you're betting on what songs are going to be played at a concert. Yeah, so um, a good rule to follow. I mean, besides the fact of, um, like, like just in a regular a regular day of gambling or a regular world, um, you uh, what I do is I don't do it often. Pretty much, like I haven't done it since like Christmas, I think. Um, but in a before Christmas, I would listen to the fan in the morning, and they do. Uh, uh, I forgot they actually call it, but they do a segment the last like forty minutes of the show where they where they listen to picks from uh, the callers and, and the and the textures on what they would bet on, and then they basically put their bet slips together, and then the next day you see if they won or lost and whatever. And I was putting like ten or fifteen dollars, depending on what I was betting on. Twenty, like when the when the Jays were in the playoffs. I was putting twenty dollars in into the account every paycheck. So every two weeks, I put forty bucks a month. And if I won anything like that one time, I won in football when I won like two hundred bucks. Um, it was a free bet, but I left myself twenty dollars in the account. So then, if I won any money, even if it was thirty bucks and I only had ten, I would just take the ten out, leave the other twenty or ten, or leave the other ten in there, and then have twenty dollars in the account. Um, and I only bet like one or two dollars. Obviously, people bet the extreme; they bet ten, fifteen dollars to try and make some big money. Um, but yeah, that, that's just a little something I do, just so it's. I mean, I don't have any money in the account now. I withdrew it because I hadn't bet in so long. But if I do bet in the playoffs, that's what I'll be doing. It's just a twenty dollar bet or twenty dollar amount, and then um, you can also set on. I believe it's on DraftKings. You can set your limits. So, like for example, the app won't let you. Uh, let's just say uh, March 10th to April 10th. You say in that in that time I, I can't deposit more than fifty dollars, and then you spend that money. It won't let you until the 10th. So you're gonna have to make a whole new account or a whole new betting app, and it's just like it's they're they're there for a reason. So don't try and buy boycott them or bypass them uh, because of it. Like just put your limits to something that you can. Um, reasonably maintain so it doesn't become an addiction or a habit um and if it does then obviously there is a link in the in the bio in our all po- on our on all of our podcasts uh, some numbers that you can call uh to get help but uh anyways enough about that uh we're gonna bang off a couple things here and then uh, get into our ideal playoff lineups so um i'll start with the matt murray thing Obviously, Matt Murray returned last Saturday against Vancouver. I thought he played great. Um, he's going to play this Saturday against Edmonton, which is kind of, I think, stupid that Sheldon Keefe announced that so early because then they can uh, – Edmonton now has the pre-scout for five days or four days. However, I still don't think that Matt Murray has earned the right to be game one, the game one starter. I think that's Samsonov. I think at the beginning of the season, it was Matt Murray's net. He lost it. Is now Sam Sears, Sam, uh, who? Sam's, uh, Samsonov's <laughs> crease. Wow. I was, for some reason, I was trying to say Sergey Samsonov. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's Samsonov's net, and I think he, he has to lose it. 
uh, and Memer has to earn it back to be the game one starter, which I don't I don't think in the next 18 games there's enough time for that to happen. So, uh, yeah, Matt Murray returns, and uh, hopefully they can be a steady one-two force uh, into the playoffs and then uh, win us a couple rounds. This guy wanted to Lilligren and give your give your opinion if you want, but uh, you take a look. Yeah, yeah, I already kind of already kind of touched on it, but it seems like at this point, uh, Lilligren will be the odd man out on defense uh, with the additions of Shen McCabe, Gustafson, and the uh, want, I guess, of Sheldon Keith and Kyle Dubis for Justin Hall to be in the lineup. Um, that makes Lilligren the odd man. Yeah, with McK- uh, Riley and Brody staying in, and uh, Giordano. Um, so yeah, I don't. Know. I th- I think that's kind of dumb. Obviously, another one of the guys listed will have to sit out at times too because that's the uh, seven events, and you only have six in the game, unless they do seven and eleven forwards. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've already kind of touched on it there when we were talking about Justin Hall and that. I think it should be him that sits out. And Lilligren playing because this season Lilligren proved that he could be a solid defenseman for you and has only shown signs of improving and getting better. But it seems like they're going with Hall um, over Lilligren, which, again, I, I don't agree with. Um, a couple things here. So I, I heard that a couple of people say that Luke Shen was supposed to be the odd man out. Uh, 100% in the playoffs. Apparently, he's going to be there in the first one or two games in the Tampa Bay series and then put up called upon as needed. I think that's also a waste. Um, and Eric Gustafson, apparently, Sheldon Keefe had he spoke with us in his media conference after the trade deadline passed. Um, other people have made it apparent uh, since, but he actually had a chance to get like up, up to a third round pick as well as a first instead of Eric Gustafson for Sam uh, uh, Sandine. But he chose to get the Sam Sandine or Gustafson to replace kind of what Sandine has to offer. Which a lot of people saying already he's bad on the power play. The first game that he played, he had a one power or he had the first power play chance he got. The puck skipped over his stick, and Blake Coleman was already rushing towards him, which got propelled him past Eric Gustafson for the breakaway, and he scored on it. Um, then in the next game, he had I think one and a half power plays to work with, and or chances on the power play, and it obviously didn't end in a goal. Um, However, there is a counterpoint, and then there's another counterpoint to that. So the one counterpoint for me for Gustafson is he has 20 of his 38 points are on the power play. He is a power play. He's known to be a power play specialist in his career. The other counterpoint to that is the 20 of 38 power play points that have come this season have come with him leading the charge and replaced a John Carlson who hurt himself, um, and those passes were predominantly to Alex Ovechkin. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, there's some kind of points. Toronto has Austin Matthews, Toronto has Will Nylander, et cetera, et cetera. As well as um, uh, the fact pardon? that Toronto really doesn't use their second power play unit. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, it's expected that in in the playoffs, we'll have, um, Morgan Riley will be the, the number one power play, power play unit guy. So, yeah. Toronto doesn't really use their second unit as much as their first unit, though. So, Gustafson's not going to get as much opportunity to get those points as he was in Washington. And then the yeah, fact that true. if people are basing if people are basing his poor power play performance on the three games he's played, then what's their excuse for Morgan Riley? Because at times throughout the year, he's also been pretty pretty crappy on the power play. Yeah. 
and I haven't seen anybody, or a large majority of people anyway, uh, saying anything in regards to that. Yeah, um, I, I I have no idea. All I know is that right now Morgan Riley is on the third pair in the defense, and that's because Brody and Jake McCabe have been lighting up defensively. But yeah, so basically all I was trying to say was I think that there's a chance that Lilligren could be uh, in a in a fair bit in the playoffs, but I think it's from now till the playoffs that that's a worrisome for me because they could ruin his momentum. Um, let's skip ahead, Scott. Let's go right into the ideal playoffs. Just lines. real quick, because yep. uh, I know we 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 don't want to run too long, but like obviously he was a depth addition. I guess everybody has different. Um, a depth addition. Everybody has a different definition, sorry, of what depth means. But if you added McCabe, Gustafson, and Shen to solidify your defense, and then you're going to sit two of the three guys you added on defense in place of guys who have been playing for you all season, who may not be the best defenseman and may not be the preferred choice, then what exactly was the point of trading for them? You could have just kept Sandine and sat him in. Yeah, well, I think they ca- try to counter. Uh, they try to capitalize on Sandine's trade value at the time. Uh, it, it probably wouldn't be as high going into the trade deadline or uh, after the, going into the draft, knowing that he sat out the whole playoff. Um, but with that, I think also uh, Kyle Dubas put this team like he brought in the six new guys. He he said like basically this is how our team's going to look, and then Sheldon Keefe is just going to take his uh, uh, view. And uh, and do whatever he needs to do to line up. I do think that they'll be sitting Giordano leading up to the playoffs too, so that will create a little bit more playing time for some guys. But at the same time, you're right. Like if if Shen is getting supposed to be because he's not the best defensive defenseman, so so everyone thinks that he's a defensive defenseman. He is technically a defensive defenseman because he's not offensive, but in actuality, he's not actually the best defensive defenseman. He's not TJ Brodier or Jake McCabe. He's actually just a traditional stay-at-home defenseman who likes to hit, who has a partner who rushes. So I think he's actually the best fit for Morgan Riley. Let Morgan Riley do what he does. Luke Shen will be back to defend and body check and and whatever. Um, And and, and then that would leave uh, Giordano Lilligren. I think it's a really good pairing. Uh, Jake McCabe and, and TJ Brody, which obviously, unfortunately, is Eric Gustafson out on the on the on the looking in, and then you also have Justin Hall on the outskirts looking in. Because I, I, the only reason I think that they got Eric Gustafson is to have an extra NHL caliber defenseman for the playoffs. Yeah, but they already have that. Yeah, but I mean, like Eric Gustafson's value was basically the equivalent of like a third round pick, third to seventh. So I think that they capitalize on getting that first back, so then they can either flip that first round pick or get another prospect to add into their pool at the draft. I mean, I'm I'm not the happiest that they traded Rasp Sandine, but I mean I understand why. But like yeah, I but think it was best to capitalize on his on his on his value now. This wasn't like I wasn't saying anything about Sandine. I was just saying like because all throughout the deadline, after adding McCabe, after adding Gustafson, after adding Shen, they're going to be solid pieces for the Leafs. They're going to help us win in the playoffs. Shen has Stanley Cup winning or experience winning Stanley Cups. Gustafson has experience playing on those dominant Washington Capitals team. McCabe is a solid defenseman who's going to be used 
et cetera, et cetera. And then when it actually comes time to put them in the lineup or in the case in the playoffs or whenever, then like if Shen's going to be the extra and Justin Hall's going in and then Gustafson's coming out so Lilligren can go in, then like what was the point of actually giving up? Like they could have just kept Sandine and used Sandine and Timmons as the extras. Yeah, and I and I agree with that, but I think in the Sandine situation, I understand what you're saying, but I think in the Sandine situation alone, I think that they weren't planning on using them like going forward. Like I think like they were either like after the season, I think they were going to try and trade them because like it just hasn't worked out. So I think that they capitalized on that now and bringing in Eric Gustafson was better than I guess having nothing. Although Connor Timmons is a similar style to those two as well, so. Uh, you're right. They could have just. I think they could have just taken the picks and put Eric Gustafson, left Eric Gustafson there. However, I'm not upset that they got Eric Gustafson, but I do see what you're saying. It's technically like with the additions that they had, they have enough to to stabilize the back end, but they're not going to do that. And then they're going to use like here. four of the same guys that they've had all season. Yeah. Another. I mean, I don't. This may be just me again, but if, if you look at it, it I feel like the, the last trades Dubas made was kind of like a panic. Because, I mean, I don't know. I think McCabe's one more year after this or two more years after this, right? Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, is Gustafson still resigned? Like, is no. he have another Laf- year? Lafferty is. Lafferty is. Uh, McCabe is. Gustafson, Ryan O'Reilly, and Nolichari are. And then, no, I was just talking about. Like defense, and then Shen isn't right. No. Okay, well then maybe I was gonna say like signing Timmons to that extension so that he can play on the team, and then add, I I didn't know that two of the three were free agents, but and then adding three more defense who could potentially play on the team next year, as well as the five that are already playing on the team. Then it doesn't really make sense why they would resign Connor Timmons, but if Shen and Gustafson are both free agents and Charles not going to resign them, then that makes sense well, why Simmons is there. Or Timmons. I wouldn't necessarily say uh, Luke Shen's not an option to resign. I don't think Eric Gustafson is, and Justin Hall is a free agent as well, but I, I don't necessarily think that Justin or Luke Shen isn't, a, isn't an option. I think that if they if they make it to the third round or second round, I think that he'll want to come back. Now, there is the idea that he'll resign in Vancouver because. He's from there. He likes it there. Quinn Hughes and him had good chemistry, and the team actually didn't want to trade him. They just capitalized on the pick that they could get. Um, but I just don't – I wouldn't rule out Luke Shen as an option for to return to Toronto next year, which is nice because he could literally just take Justin Hall's spot as the third line right wing – or right defense. Yeah. Uh, and Eric Gustafson, yeah, is a free agent. And then, yeah, up front, um, Lafferty's. So next year, Kerfoot, uh, Kampf, Achari, Bunting, Anzac, Aston Reese are all free agents. And then Willie and Austin Matthews become eligible for an extension. Um, and then that July 1st of 2024, both Marner and Tavares become eligible for an extension as well. The only person that they have signed past uh, 2024, 2025 is Cali Yarncroke. And oh, then Morgan oh, Riley, yeah, but up front. Yeah, Morgan Riley they have until 2028, I believe. Which, 
just whatever. But yeah, kind of nuts. I mean, I would expect Mitch Marner to resign. Probably JT in a way smaller. I'd say probably four or five million dollars, not eleven. Uh, I hope that they can find a way to bring back Willie Mueller and Austin Matthews. But I feel like if they get Austin Matthews, it's probably going to be Willie's that's gone. And if they do not bring back Austin Matthews and they have to trade him or whatever, then obviously I, I would go to assume that William Nylander is going to stay. But yeah, and I also would assume that probably Noel Chari comes back, and I would hope I would hope that they would bring back Noel Chari and David Camp, get rid of Kerfoot, um, get rid of Zach Aston Reese, re-sign Bunting, get rid of Hall, get rid of Eric Gustafson, um, and then I would I would hope. That they would try and get rid of Matt Murray and try and sign Eric Gustafson or uh, Elias Antonoff, but let's call a spade a spade. They're probably just going to go with Matt Murray. Yeah, but yeah, I don't think that there's going to be too too many changes into the offseason with this team. Like, I mean, barring if they get rid, if they don't resign Camp, if they don't resign Achari, uh, if Bunting doesn't come back, you know, what I mean, like then yeah, there's probably going to be a decent amount of changes. Uh, if Kerfoot doesn't come back, but like if they can bring back a couple of these people and just let a few of the other mainstays that they've had in their lineup for so long leave, then I think that we could we could re-add a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so let's talk about uh, your ideal playoff lineup. Um, All right. While you talk, all right. One second, uh, Scott. For some reason, I can't capitalize your name. Okay. Uh, so we got F1. Or line one, who we got? It don't need to be left wing, right wing. It can just be like, like uh, if I, if, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I have uh, Bunting, Matthews, and Marner. One second, F2. Second line, I have. Um, uh, who do I have? Who do I uh, stop right there. Also, include Nyes on the expectation that he's going to be signed too, if you want. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. I don't know. Uh, yeah, okay. I'll go um, uh, uh, Tavares, O'Reilly, uh, Nylander. And then obviously Tavares O'Reilly can rotate face offs depending on where it's at or what's on the ice, etc. Okay, third line. Uh Nice. Yep. Achari. Yep. Uh Yarn Crook. And then that's where my – I was going to put O'Reilly on the, the third line and move Nice up to the second line. But I I don't think Ochari – I think he'll play better on a line with Tavares Nylander than uh, Nice and Yarncroak. And then my last line will be uh, – who's left? Uh, Kerfoot, Lafferty. Uh, uh, who's left? Kerfoot, Lafferty. Well, Lafferty and oh, Camp. Uh, Lafferty, Camp, and yeah. Austin Reese. So Lafferty, 
And obviously, this is just like game one. And you you left Kerfoot on as an extra. Yeah. Kerfoot. I, I feel like Kerfoot will probably be in, but I'd rather have him not in at this point. All right. Um, and then defense is the same way you've already said. Uh, so, Riley but what's going to be your first unit? Because there's like what? right now Riley is on the third, right? So, like, what's who's your Riley first Shen? Yeah. yeah, Riley and Shen. One second. Yep. Yep. And then uh, Brody and McCabe, and then Giordano Lilligren with Hall Tip. Gustafson as extras. Or Hall Gustafson, I guess, if there's too many with the addition of Timmons. No, as long as there's no cap in the playoffs either, so. Uh, we oh, yeah. yeah, but I, I don't want L-I-L-J-E-G-R-E-N. X for extra, we got Hall and Gustafson. Right. And then we got uh, goalies. Uh, we got. Oh, I forgot about Holmberg. Yeah. God, I, I didn't mention him, but I just put him down as extra. And then Samsonov, Murray, starter, backup. Yeah, so mine's not going to change that much from you. I'll just copy and paste it and put Spencer here. Fortunately, Kyle won't be able to do this with us, but. Awesome. Yeah, way to go, Kyle. Trying to bring that segment back. Oh, yeah, I forgot that that actually happened. Um, so I'm going to go with the top line uh, as you had it. Um, with, Hunting uh, Matthews Marner. Hunting Matthews Marner. And then I'm going to go Yarn Croak. Actually, I'm going to go Nyes. Um, Tavares Melander. Tavares Melander. And then I'm going to go Yarn Croak. Um, technically, I guess. What would I think? Technically, I guess he's a left wing, but that's cool. Uh, and then I'm going to go um, uh, Lafferty. And then uh, Lafferty. And then we got Kerfoot on the last line, Camp and Achari. Um, and O'Reilly is this, as a 3C. And then the only change that I'd make is I'd probably. Um, I would do oh, uh, Riley Shen as my second pairing. Um, the reason being, pair one um, obviously is, I guess technically it doesn't matter, but I would I would execute them in a way that Riley Bro- or Brody McCabe plays every hard matchup, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, like against say Kucherov Stamkos, and then. Um, uh, Giordano uh, Lilligren would play the second most difficult matchup, and then Riley Shen would play uh, with uh, like when offensive situations arise to give Riley more of an offensive view rather than worrying about what's going into his net. And then, yeah, Sam Sonoff and Murray would be uh, the same. Hall, Gustafson, Timmons, Zach Astor Reese would be the extra for me, Holmberg. The only change that I would have made to this lineup is I might have put Kerfo on the third line, but Lafferty has more of a scoring touch. And better hands. Um, and then I think Nyes is going to probably end up being a lock on that second line, maybe the first line, depending on how well it plays. And I would assume Kyle's isn't going to be too, too much different than us. But 
Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we'll see who's right and who's wrong. If they even if they even sign Nyes, they're allowed to sign them now. Right. But uh, I think uh, I think we're both going to be wrong simply for the fact that we don't have Justin Hall. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, that's actually valid. But um, was going to say, oh yeah, so Nyes can technically sign now. However, um, they want him to focus on winning the championship there, uh, the Big Ten championship, and then the state championship. So. Um, that won't that won't transpire probably till closer to the end of the season, and then he'll join the team. However, I think the furthest that he can play is uh, the third week of April. I think, depending on how far he goes, I think he's guaranteed at this point to go to the Big Ten tournament, which would bring him to like April sixth. And then I think, depending on if they win the state championship, like the NCAA championship, I think that they he would go to the third week, which would basically put him joining the team in the playoffs. But we'll see about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, interesting. I guess we'll see who who makes her on alive, and it probably won't be us, either of us, as you said, because Hall's not on the lineup. But that's our deal. Our ideal playoff lineups. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? We kind of touched yeah. on post trade deadline uh, reaction with everything. This is kind of just a nice jumbled pod. So, no, you don't have anything. No. All right, so subscribe to our website. Uh, there's not really much popping off because we stopped the blog for now, um, but you can get our our, our uh, podcast feed there. They automatically upload to the website. Uh, check on our social medias. Um, Twitter's probably the most active one, so make sure uh, you're there and uh, keep up with uh, the podcast episodes that drop Fridays, sometimes depending on what day we do it. Uh, but most most regularly Fridays. And uh, yeah, so thanks for listening and have a good week. Thanks.